You are listening to the Kelly Confidential Podcast with Kelly Wilkes. This is episode 15. Welcome to the Kelly Confidential Show, where we talk negotiation essentials and those crucial conversations empowering extraordinary women. Hello, lovely people, and happy Friday. How's your week been? Are you finishing on a high or chasing your tail or maybe a little of both? That's okay. It's all about showing up and delivering what you commit to, especially to yourself. For me, this week was a chance to catch my breath after a couple of hectic weeks. For the past three summers, I've been fortunate to be a small part of the M&D mediation accreditation program held at Jesus College in Oxford. It's a terrific program and is led by two senior lecturers who formerly co-facilitated the same accreditation program that ran for many, many years at Regents College London. And I teach a single module on the practical elements of negotiation. And even though my part is small, um, it has a lot of work in preparation As I had moved the theory elements into a digital program, I had to create a workbook, and then I led a short practical clinic in person at the campus. And when I was there, I opened with an introduction about corporate hacker Jenny Radcliffe. And this is where we pick up for today's episode. So I listened to a lot of podcasts, and last week I caught one which featured an interview with Jenny Radcliffe. Have you guys heard of her? It was really a captivating listen. Um, She's a professional hacker, but not a cyber hacker. She's hired professionally to break into homes and businesses, including banks, to purposefully compromise their security systems to flag vulnerabilities. She's managed to get into many highly secure homes and businesses and steal high-worth assets such as laptops, personal planners, address books, ID badges, notebooks, and she's been hugely successful at it. And in this particular interview, she was talking about how she was hired to break into a wealthy businessman's mansion in Hong Kong and to leave a handwritten note on his desk indicating that she'd been there. It was a pretty hair-raising story involving guns, armed guards who didn't know she was meant to be there, and therefore some of her plan didn't go to plan. But you ask, was she successful? Well, she was, but not before she was nearly killed in the process. And you'll have to listen to the interview to hear how. The clip is in my show notes. But that wasn't the part that stayed with me. The part that stayed with me was when she was asked to name the greatest weakness in all of these corporations. What do you suppose it was? It was the people. Yes. And so she's also become known as one of the best people profilers out there. And more often than not, she's hired these days to help executives identify vulnerabilities in their leadership team to mitigate attrition, of course, but more so to mitigate against stealing, cybercrime, and corporate corporate espionage. 
In the interview, Jenny said that one of the biggest tells in identifying a vulnerability is seeing a person in crisis. She said that when they are vulnerable, that's the time they may feel like striking out and or they harbor resentment toward those in power around them because they've lost that sense of control. And it's true, isn't it? We can see that firsthand in negotiations. We see those power battles. Of course, not everyone will act on their crisis, but I know from experience that we are tested the most when we are in conflict and certainly in negotiations. And how does that look like in real life? Well, emotions go up, logic and reason go down, and ultimately decision-making is impacted. Does that sound familiar? Can any of you relate to that? And what happens if that crisis isn't with another party? What if that crisis is within you? And particularly a crisis of confidence, because that can create the same amygdala effect on your brain and motor processing as a conflict with another party, an, an external party. That's the question we're grappling with on this episode. The false lure of confidence over competence in a negotiation. So what do we mean? Well, I mean those times when you know a subject well, so you're competent in the subject matter, but your confidence fails you. And what happens? How does that happen? Well, for many, many people, the crisis begins and your amygdala comes riding in on a giant steed, sword drawn, ready to pound the enemy into submission. Oh, wait, who's the enemy here? Oh, yeah, it's me. Nightmare, right? Well, this actually happened to me during my negotiation clinic last week, and we're going to break it down, talk about why it happens, and the three steps to mitigate the crisis for the next time. Let's jump in. Right, so firstly, it's an urban myth that successful business leaders and entrepreneurs are extroverts. That just simply isn't true. And despite what some of my childhood mischief-making friends may tell you, I am, I'm not an extrovert. I am an introvert. What does that look like for me? Well, I don't love big parties. I don't even like medium parties. I'm terrible at small talk. And when it comes to refilling the tank, I prefer my own company to others to recharge and re-energize the batteries. That just works for me. And contrary to corporate America's love affair with the effervescent extrovert, the Journal of Applied Psychology in their 2021 study found that communication, not extroversion, was a better indicator of positive leadership performance. And it appears we're in good company, as a similar article by Forbes last month shared that some of the world's most well-known CEOs also identify as introverts, including Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and Marissa Mayer. In the same article, they shared another 2021 survey by career assessment publisher Truity Psychometrics, who found that nearly 50% of working professionals in the U.S. identify as introverts. And what were the four common attributes that made them such good leaders? This is what it found, that introverts are often good listeners um, and observers, that they remain calm under pressure, are typically reflective on detail and big picture, and tend to be more empathetic 
and make deep connections. And so, yes, despite the fact that I have my own podcast, which I love doing, my introverted side is not a great fan of public speaking, and it can be a real challenge for me. Made worse because I don't do it every day, and it can test even my most determined mindset. And it really did test me last week. I opened my short lecture with my intro, as I said, and then a practical lesson, and yep, crisis kicked in, and my mind went blank midway through. I forgot some of the instructions and nearly bottled it. And then I made it worse by berating myself for being silly and nervous. So what happened? I did exactly what I tell my students not to do. I forced the confidence versus competence issue. So what is that? Well, on my course, I teach a lesson in measuring confidence before going into a negotiation. Why is that important? Because it tries to smoke out bravado or false confidence as a substitute for competence in the subject matter under negotiation. Assessing one's confidence and competence levels is a good leveler for how well we will perform under pressure, and it informs any extra preparation work we need to do. So what happened in my case? Well, two things. One, I was tired, which means my defenses were down, and two, I know my fear of public speaking. So then what did I do? Well, I ignored my own professional advice and the two vital warning lights that I mentioned, and I pressed ahead stubbornly as if nothing stood in my way, but something did stand in my way, me. And I felt the consequences of that. It didn't disrupt the program and all proceeded to completion just fine, but I noticed it. And I know from many of you that you've been in the same position of crisis. Conflict discussions and high stakes negotiations have a way of exposing that soft underbelly hidden below our armor. So here's the important takeaway. People in crisis create vulnerabilities. Just like the security guard at the building that Jenny Radcliffe broke into, who, when facing the false upset at how much trouble Jenny would be in if her team couldn't measure the floors of the boardroom for the new carpets, decided to let her in. Crisis creates vulnerabilities because it exposes a weakness in the system. And this is more true when the crisis is with ourselves. So what do we do? Well, I talked about this on my show in episode three about fear and why we should value things like curiosity, courage, and resilience. And in this case, where the conflict is with ourselves, certainly we should invest in those three things. And here are three more ways to help yourself from becoming overpowered by your own conflict. Number one, know your triggers. I discuss this in several episodes, which is the need for an emotional checkup an MOT for your mental health. If you're a professional negotiator or business leader whose success relies on deal-making, it's crucial that you know what things trigger existential feelings for you, specifically fear, anger, or loss, because all of these, when triggered at the wrong time, can be very destructive and at the very least counterproductive to your aims. Number two, Recognize that assessing your confidence does not translate to be more confident. This type of advice to just be more confident 
is a particular frustration of mine because there are so many leadership podcasts and courses out there right now that just casually talk about being more confident. Just be more confident. Woman up. Man up. Like you can just go pluck confidence off a shelf as if you were at the grocery store. This is not helpful. And this is not good leadership advice. Of course, confidence is critical in any deal making, but false confidence is a recipe for disaster. Because guess what? Our bodies will always betray the imposter. Your amygdala will kick in and you will be left with self doubt or worse, aggression as a defense, and that never goes well. Which brings us on to my final point, number three to honor and be compassionate with who you really are. There is no point, zero point, nada, in trying to wear a cloak. For me, public speaking is an ongoing challenge. Different to an interactive clinic where there's a lot of banter and discussion, that I enjoy, and that's fun. But one-way speaking to an audience that's just sitting there, it's different. It's hard for me. It triggers something that is only made worse when I ignore it. So let's not ignore it. The better way is to start with acknowledging it, being authentic, and perhaps making it funny. Like saying, hey, so I was talking to Tony Robbins last night about my fear of public speaking, and he offered to come and host this lecture for me today instead. But, you know, he missed his train, which of course is both outrageous and a bit funny. And it works as a good icebreaker because it it shares with the group that, you know, I'm uncomfortable with public speaking and to go easy on me. And it's a very relevant lead on about how we deal with crisis to avoid creating additional vulnerabilities in our infrastructure, especially when that infrastructure is ourselves. I hope this was useful today. Go easy on yourselves out there and enjoy the weekend when it comes. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to join our newsletter, which has valuable tips on negotiation, our latest bookshelf reads, and dates for upcoming online courses. Thanks for listening.